In today's episode, we'll be delving into the movie Brain and Fire with Dr. Patricia Saxena. We'll be discussing the conditions of bipolar disorder, psychosis, schizophrenia, and anti-NMDAR asnephilitis. Hello, thank you so much for discussing Brain on Fire with us today. Before we get started with the movie, do you want to start by introducing yourself? So, I am Dr. Pratisha Saxena. I am from India and I am doing my psychiatry in Nagpur, that's like in central India. Mm-hmm. And I have been a mental health advocate for the past 10 years and I am in my mm-hmm. final year of residency. And I really love discussing about Brain. Well, that's very impressive and that's great to hear. I really love your compassion. And as you know, today, we're going to be discussing Brain on Fire, which is a truly powerful movie. Do you want to talk us through what this movie was about and what drew you towards it? Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, well, this movie is based on a real story. There was Mm -hmm. a girl who was a journalist and uh, she wrote a book after having this experience of battling with this disease and how all she went through with so many doctors and so many different diagnoses and it's a real story and that's what makes it really interesting yeah it was definitely i think just seeing the progression of it and like knowing that it's a real story definitely affects the way that you view it i think that there was this entire uncertainty with Susanna's diagnosis because she didn't know what was going on and neither did the doctors and this kind of created this fear and we even saw her go through several misdiagnoses so what's the actual process for using symptoms to diagnose a patient uh so if you are talking about psychiatry we usually go with the symptoms and our approach is very symptomatic it really doesn't matter to us that much that what exactly is the diagnosis of the patient because diagnosis is for the patient to understand what is going on and what mm-hmm. can be the treatment options for the patient or for us as doctors to actually discuss about the patient with uh, having uh, confidentiality of their personal details. So we can just name a patient as patient A has this particular diagnosis or having a few uh, differential diagnoses like four or five of them because there are so many symptoms that mimic each other i mean the diseases can mimic the various stages of a particular psychiatric or a mental disease can mimic it for example Mm -hmm. if a patient is having stroke all right the patient might have confusion right the patient Mm -hmm. can uh, lose their memory like a short-term memory okay so i won't diagnose the patient as mentally ill but having stroke that's a simple brain disorder right Mm-hmm. So it's very important for us to understand that if a patient uh, or a doctor is not giving you a perfect diagnosis, but your symptoms are reducing and you're getting better, because symptoms will automatically act on the root cause. We will mm-hmm. get to know what part of the brain is responsible for this particular symptom. And then we mm-hmm. act accordingly. We will treat the brain part or various brain parts involved in that particular disease. And misdiagnosis is pretty common because many times we as patients, uh, we don't tell some symptoms thinking that, uh, you know, this this is just stupid to mention. Or, you know, people have this all the time. And I don't think that this is something very relevant to the particular disease that I'm having. Mm -hmm. Okay. For example, uh, if a patient in my country, all right, uh, comes uh, with anxiety to me. Or maybe, um, okay, well, I should put it this way, comes with the depressive symptoms. Okay, and I'm just starting them on antidepressants. But the major 
issue is actually anxiety and they feel that you know everybody gets stressed and everybody feels anxious uh, everybody has stage fear everybody has fear meeting new people like very common symptoms of anxiety that can actually be a hurdle to you in daily life uh, people think of it as very common and mm-hmm. uh, we don't mention it to the doctor thinking the doctor will think of us as stupid or telling us irrelevant things so i think uh, it's like a two way thing and uh, it also depends on the doctor in which area they are practicing mm-hmm. for example a particular area might have um, many cases uh, of depression or anxiety or schizophrenia okay so uh, doctors tend to also uh, avoid having uh, very uncommon diseases as diagnosing them mm-hmm. okay um if if a pers- if a disease is like one in 1000 why will i actually th- try to put you in that yeah in that category that you are like one in 1000 because that also gives a lot of stress to the patient as well ki you know this disease is very unique it has happened only to me so there are many other things attached to it as well ki why me why am i mm-hmm. suffering through this So yes, misdiagnosis is also very common. Mm, wow, that's a very complex procedure. I think I never—it's—it's it's an eye opener to Absolutely. see like it's not a perfect process, but rather it's a lot more patient by patient. It depends really how to handle each Absolutely. case. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in the movie, Susanna, we first saw that it was suspected that she might have bipolar disorder, which is a disorder associated mm. with episodes of extreme mood swings. and she actually diagnosed herself at first based on some online readings from google that she did do you mind sharing a little bit more about this condition and whether you think that Susanna actually showed symptoms for it well honestly when i started watching the movie uh, it was around um, when our pandemic was really very like we had a lockdown in our country um and i did not read the description of the movie or what the movie which disease they are actually discussing about so when i started seeing uh, her symptoms uh they seem to me as maybe it's bipolar or maybe it's schizophrenia or it's psychosis because in bipolar you have like very you know opposite kind of mood swings either you have this mania where you have extreme levels of high you feel that you can conquer the world you can do anything the person might go to uh, gym a lot the person might exercise a lot or you know wake up at 4 am start doing the house chores and uh, start doing everything around uh, start mm. working on heavy machinery maybe or they actually feel that they are superhuman and they are above all mm-hmm. and when the de- depressive episode comes like it is seen that susanna sometimes like she's very hyperactive she's completing so many articles and doing so many things around and then one final day she's like you know she doesn't really want to get out of the bed she is uh, not going to her office she just doesn't want to leave her room and mm-hmm. that you can define as a depressive episode in a bipolar patient which is very common to see in bipolar they have these two variation of mood swings that they have so for any doctor at that particular stage um mm-hmm. i won't really say that the doctor is diagnosing her wrong because as her symptoms were seen at that time it mm-hmm. basically was bipolar but uh, because we were not aware of that particular disease to be getting common day by day or maybe it was already common but uh, our science was you know lagging something which could um, reach out to having that particular research done in these patients so uh, it was really mimicking bipolar 
Mm, that's really interesting. Do you think that if they hadn't caught it for the actual condition as it was and she continued to be diagnosed as bipolar, how do you think it would have impacted her condition? Um, her symptoms would have got better for some time and then mm -hmm. she would have, you know, gone bad again. Hasan, uh, the medication would no longer work for her because the main cause of her disease was something else. So she would be better for a few days and uh, she eventually would get more worse because her her main problem, her main disease was not something being focused. Else, yeah. mm -hmm. And that happens sometimes in patients with uh, uh, these kind of diseases, which we don't really discuss about that much. I mean, I'm really glad that you guys are doing this thing on such a good platform. Discussing about these diseases is very important because we ourselves are really not aware of what goes on. As mm -hmm. mental illness, they mimic so differently. And uh, as we don't talk about it, we don't really know what a patient might go through in their daily life. Yeah, thank you. That means a lot. I think awareness is definitely key. And as we talk Absolutely. about it, the more people will know about it. And that's how we can get more people to get the help that they need. But and yeah. I'm also curious about your thoughts of using Google to self-diagnose. I think whenever we're anxious that we might have something or we're experiencing symptoms, we first go to like WebMD or any other online platform that we can find to see what we are experiencing. Just put like a title, a name on it that can kind of reassure us. What are your thoughts on this process? It's completely wrong. It is something that maybe, you know, if it was so accurate and it was so perfect, for diagnosing a disease, then we would not be studying from actual books. We would be just Googling the disease mm -hmm. and, you know, writing you down medicines from Google. But it's not really like that. If you really want a clear picture for anyone, if, you're, if you know what you're going through already, like if you're diagnosed with maybe uh, cancer, right? Uh, you have many, many people on YouTube especially who talk about the real problems uh, of battling a particular disease. And you can only do it after... Uh, you have, you already have your diagnosis. Mm -hmm. uh, Googling the symptoms can be really worse because you don't know that uh, what basically Google is showing you. A lot of times uh, it's just, you know, algorithm, as you know, it is something you like, mm -hmm. you put anxiety and Google tells you hundred things that can go wrong with your body, mm -hmm. which usually is not. Maybe you're just hungry and that's why you're feeling anxious uh, because mm -hmm. you know your body doesn't know where to get the food from. Mm -hmm. uh, but we, we, we can think of all the bad possibilities. Maybe we have a heart condition or we have any other very, very chronic condition which we cannot really battle through. Uh, so no, uh, a good option for me is always YouTube or podcasts which uh, people, uh, where people actually share the real things. Uh, there's also like a bad area on YouTube where people talk about common people, not from medical background, talk about... Uh, um, side effects from various uh, medications uh, mm -hmm. or they talk about uh, how a diagnosis uh, can go wrong and especially if uh, you are not like if you're viewing someone who is not from a medical background so please don't like um, you know go for the information that they cannot uh, prove it I mean they cannot be very sure of Yes, of mm -hmm. course, they can be sure of, of their personal things, of how their journey was through the disease, but never with the medications or surgeries or any procedures for that matter, like be it any disease of the body. Don't go for non-medical people telling you things that this is how it should be. Yeah, definitely. Credible information is key.
there was also discussion of Susanna possibly having schizophrenia and maybe even mm-hmm. psychosis, like you mentioned earlier. And I think that these conditions tend to be very misunderstood just by the general public. Do you mind explaining a little bit more about these conditions and what their differences are and also what their implications might be? Absolutely. Well, in psychiatry, there are basic two divisions of diseases. One is uh, neurosis kind of diseases, which we have uh, like depression or anxiety or any other problems uh, having the same kind of symptoms. And there is psychosis or psychotic diseases. These psychotic mm-hmm. diseases are schizophrenia, psychosis, bipolar mania. Okay, so um, in psychosis or psychotic diseases, for example, like you said, schizophrenia. Schizophrenia usually have hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Uh, they hear someone saying something to them. Okay, that's like the first symptom, uh, like or the first kind of hallucination a person can have. There is also um, smell a hallucination where people can smell a particular uh, scent or a bad smelling thing which is actually not there uh, then people can have visual hallucinations as well which is which happens in later stages uh, the first kind of hallucination is always uh, the auditory hallucination that you get and the mm-hmm. uh, visual hallucination is always the last one uh, so that's like a prime mark of having a psychotic disorder and in case of Susanna, she was actually having hallucinations. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That is like a very tricky thing when you're diagnosing a disease because yes, it's very common. Schizophrenia is a very, very common disorder. Bipolar again is a very common disorder. Like one in hundred can have bipolar. So that's mm-hmm. like a very big number of people suffering from this disease. Uh, and schizophrenia, hallucinations are there. If hallucinations are there, So we will definitely mark the patient as a psychotic patient. Sometimes a person who is majorly depressed, if you uh, see depression as having three kind of uh, levels, like mild, moderate, and severe, a very, very severe chronic depressed patient can also have hallucinations. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you want to work by with medicines, uh, for a few days, the patient can have antipsychotic medications as well along with antidepressants and then we can wean off the psych- uh, the antipsychotic medic- medicines and keep him on uh, the depressants for a few more days. Mm. So that's how it goes about. Uh, so for uh, diagnosing her for schizophrenia was absolutely again correct here because mm-hmm. she was having these um, hallucinations. Also in bipolar, when uh, the patient is in manic stage, that is the hyper stage or high energy level elated stage, uh, the patient can feel as if God is talking to them. That's Mm -hmm. again a kind of hallucination or somebody is telling them to, you know, conquer the world or fight these demons or, you know, do something Mm -hmm. about it because you are the supreme power in this world. That's what they feel when they are elated. Uh, So, yes, it was absolutely mimicking psychotic disorders as well mm, yeah it seems like a lot of these conditions have a lot in common i think Absolutely. i previously thought it was more clear-cut that you wanted to have a diagnosis like this is where your symptoms fall but it really does seem to be so much more interconnected than that absolutely it is and a lot of times you can see two diseases ha- being together um mm-hmm. i use i like to call depression anxiety and migraine to be bffs 
because mm-hmm. um, you can see a lot of patients having depression and anxiety together and also mm-hmm. they complain about headaches and migraine kind of headache so you can mm-hmm. see few diseases coming together in mm-hmm. people yeah, uh, for schizophrenic yeah there are many types of schizophrenic so in some type of schizophrenia you can also see depression to be there because mm-hmm. it's just a symptom you cannot call it a disorder completely on its own uh, yeah. but uh, people tend to have personality disorders as well uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to mental illness so one personality disorder and one psychotic disorder so mm-hmm. you have to treat both somehow uh, personality disorders can be treated with uh, counseling and therapy uh, we don't use medications that much in psychotic uh, sorry in uh, personality disorders and when it comes to chemistry gone wrong in the brain then mm-hmm. we use medicines medications mm, i see and then susanna's yeah. like condition actually turned out to be anti nmda receptor encephalitis and as this condition was very rare it was very hard to determine what it was for the doctors and it took a lot of testing consultation deliberation and finally dr najar was able to arrive at this conclusion And it was amazing seeing Susanna go from a state where she couldn't even move to just getting back to her regular life and self. And though the movie didn't talk as much about the treatment, do you mind exploring a little bit more about what it was and how it worked in her body? Um well this disease is a pretty new disease which mm-hmm. has been maybe since many years but uh, we could not you know we we were not uh, aware of this disease to be there. Uh, if you know about the demonic possessions people had back back in the day uh, where people talk about uh, being possessed by a spirit or uh, you know uh, having some demons in their body or something like that we have many movies on the same subject as well so um it uh, basically is i think the same disease that we are talking about Uh, back then we didn't know how to treat this particular mm-hmm. disorder or actually the brain has some kind of a problem now this anti nmd encephalitis is nothing but a kind of a brain inflammation mm-hmm. and it is an autoimmune disorder autoimmune means the the cells of the body start attacking themselves the immunity cells which is supposed to act on a foreign body they start thinking that our own cells, cells. are something are foreign and mm-hmm. uh, they start attacking the cells our own cells uh, so that is something which we call autoimmune disorder and this is what exactly this disorder is uh, it uh, doesn't has that much of research till now to for us to know ki what exactly goes wrong in the body which causes this particular disorder or are there any ways to prevent this disorder from happening and mm-hmm. this was uh, i think discovered in 2007 uh, by I, i don't remember the doctor's name it is something in somewhere in pennsylvania um, some university there i think but as as much as i know it was in 2007 and mm-hmm. uh, now we have medicines to treat it because it is nothing but an inflammation of the brain so you have to treat the inflammation of the brain why the inflammation of the brain has happened because it's an autoimmune disorder so we treat it as an autoimmune disorder we don't need to give the patient because in her case she was given every kind of antipsychotic is there she was given injectables she was given ssris which are the antidepressant medications mm-hmm. which didn't work because you know there was really nothing wrong with that part of her brain mm-hmm. um 
and basically this thing also um, disrupts the normal signaling in our brain. Our brain mm-hmm. basically communicates in two ways. One is um, through electrical circuits or electrical communications. Mm-hmm. There are small things, I mean, which um, make this thing happen, like different parts of the brain. They are very close and they have their own covering as well. And the second type is through CSF, that is, that is cerebrospinal fluid. Mm-hmm. Like, unlike the other parts of a body where it communicates via blood, there is very little blood communication in the brain. It is there, but not that significant. But the, the two ways are electrical pathway and the fluid which is present. So this electrical pathway goes haywire. Mm-hmm. So uh, as for the frontal lobe cannot communicate to the hippocampus or cannot communicate to the medulla oblongata. So that's where every individual part of the brain is going to do something which makes the condition look how it is. It will give her her mm-hmm. hallucinations, will give her mm-hmm. depression, will give her, um, you know, other kind of uh, signs that we were seeing in her. Confusion, yeah. she also had headaches. Mm-hmm. So that's because of that goes wrong. And once the inflammation goes down, the communication gets better, she'll get better. Mm-hmm. And the, all the and tests that they did good, do? Good recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Something also interesting that Dr. Najar said was that they caught the condition early on in its stages. However, at this point, we saw that Susanna was already bedridden, a bit unable to move, talk, or even walk on her own. With a lot of her functioning already impacted, how would her condition have worsened over time? Um, I think she was able to at least eat or uh, make uh, hand gestures or facial expressions. Uh, I mean, she was communicating in some way that she was in pain. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, there are few uh, documentary videos on YouTube if you search for anti and MD encephalitis where people who went undiagnosed with the disease are completely vegetable now Mm -hmm. because they don't have any other bodily issues. Their body is working fine. The brain is also fine, but with an inflammation. Um, And it can have deterioration effect on your entire... um, I mean, you can basically get paralyzed Mm -hmm. because the connections in the brain are not good. Uh, as I told you earlier, that it disrupts the electrical signals of the brain. So the brain doesn't know what to tell the body or what the body is going through and how I can, you know, save it or what actions I have to take in mm-hmm. order to, you know, make it better. So over a period of time, uh, the patient as, as a vegetable will lose um, maybe his control over urination, excretion and trying to um, eat something. You'll have to put a rice tube in their stomach to make them mm-hmm. eat food. So these things can go worse if not treated and if not understood. And mm-hmm. um, if a person or if a family is scared that you know um, a girl or our son has a mental disorder, which we really don't want the world to know, it might be not like a mental disorder, but a simple inflammation of the brain which you could reverse and which you could make better Mm -hmm. so um, it can get worse and usually the recovery period is two years uh, after Mm -hmm. treatment um, with uh, a lot of help from physiotherapy as well uh, to Mm -hmm. help the patient walk and 
you know do her normal daily chores yeah. uh, but patients yes they do get better and they can lead a normal life after that yeah that's great too i think in the movie it mentioned that she had to relearn everything like such as walking talking yeah that's and- the physiotherapist's role there that they will help her mm-hmm. to get yeah. better Yeah, it really is the entire journey just the treatment after that itself. Exactly. And I know you want to talk about the misconception the movie perpetuates of psychiatric drugs being addictive. Do you want to share a little bit more about this myth and what you want to talk about it? Absolutely. Oh, uh, well, this is something which really interests me and, you know, makes my head go crazy as well a lot of times because people are so scared to take these medications. Mm-hmm. Um almost 50 60 years ago the kind of treatment which we used to give in mental hospitals or a psychiatrist uh, used to do were very scary there was this one thing where uh, the patient was given continuous insulin so that their body goes to a glucose level when it comes to be zero okay so your normal sugar level in your body should be minimum 100 okay mm-hmm. like if you have eaten something it can be 100 it should not be like more than that like for a normal patient who doesn't have diabetes or nothing is completely fine and um if it's below that you know if it goes like below 60 and 50 that means you are hypoglycemic in hypoglycemia you will have headache mood swings you know you'll be you might faint like we see in school a lot of children faint who don't have breakfast um mm-hmm. so that can happen and when it's to zero level now imagine if you are just not eaten for like if you skipped a meal how you feel and you're still around like 60 70 levels of sugar is there in your mm-hmm. blood and you still feel you know that i just want to eat something before i feel i start feeling better now th- these patients were made to have their uh, inso- uh, glucose level go down to zero so mm-hmm. they went all kinds of crazy they had many seizures um mm-hmm. they had convulsions and mm. the doctors back then used to think that uh this treatment will make the patient better mm-hmm. okay they were inducing these convulsions in the patient and somehow that scary scene of going through all that has made people to still believe that you know these medicines are bad mm-hmm. there were many drugs used back then which we don't use anymore some we use if you know we have really no other option for the patient we might use few drugs which have a few side effects major side effects irreversible side effects but that is for patient you know who are aggressive or who we really need to tie up and keep them in the hospital uh, but for normal patients who really can do their um, you know who actually lead a normal life antidepressants anti anxiety medications uh, anti psychotics are completely all right um few antipsychotics they do give tremors um mm-hmm. or few a disorder a few conditions which we cannot reverse uh, the major complaint is usually tremors you can have facial tics or you can have your shivering of hands which you cannot mm-hmm. control it's all involuntary we also do give drugs along with this to mm-hmm. uh, you know lower the chances of having this particular um problem but um other other problems like uh, depression and anxiety can usually just go away with the drugs the side effects which can be like loss of libido or nausea or gastrointestinal problems mm-hmm. they go away not the loss of libido the loss of libido will go away once you stop the medication which has to be tapered down 
you cannot just immediately stop taking your medication the tell, telling all your symptoms is very important and people yeah. usually fear two three things when it comes to psychiatric problems one is sexual problems the other one are the tremors and the third one can be headaches or lifelong taking the medication which is again mm-hmm. not uh the case for everyone uh for schizophrenics um, they do need to take medications for a longer period of time again for bipolar disorder as well you have to take medications for life sometimes depending on what type of bipolar you have there is type 1 there is type 2 uh, depending on how your uh, manic episodes are basically mm-hmm. we want the manic episodes to go away because that's when the patient is having or has to face a lot of troubles because you know they just go and they can uh, break the rules and they can get into a lot of legal trouble when mm-hmm. it's a depressive episode they are usually at home they they are not self harming themselves and um a lot of times if a bipolar patient is trying to attempt suicide it can be in the manic episode only because they feel that you know uh there's much more greater things to be done beyond this world and for that they have to die mm. so that's how it's all about mm. Yeah, I think having a doctor that you feel completely comfortable is really important to these patient doctor relationships and again treatment is very complex and sometimes it's hard to determine this one thing that's causing your symptoms. Absolutely. Also the the one thing um which I want to stress more is the time duration uh which requires for you to see good results or your symptoms go away. Usually it's 1 to 3 months. uh mm-hmm. that we minimum uh, give the medication for 3 months because that's when uh, the levels of that particular drug in your body has reached to the optimal level okay mm-hmm. and that's when it will start acting properly it needs to go to that peak level so mm-hmm. and if i have to taper the drug again i will take at least 3 months to 6 months sometimes depending on how much the dose is because if you stop the medication immediately like name i i i don't really want to take this medicine i'm having a lot of side effects and i just want to stop it i am not crazy this is what a patient might say and would just stop coming to the doctor and will stop the medication that is the worst thing you can do to yourself because mm-hmm. the withdrawal symptoms are the worst and that's why you need to taper down the drugs and then you mm-hmm. can be off meds completely and if you want to go for therapy which is of course not addictive and you know we, there are really no side effects of having therapy and counseling so that's like the best option for you available out there mm-hmm. plus there is a particular class of drug which is i think it's the most abused drug uh, uh, class of drugs in psychiatry or in neuropsychiatry or in neurology which is um, benzodiazepines now these benzodiazepines are something which are addictive people mm-hmm. try to take them again and again and you have uh, sedative properties in benzodiazepines as well and that's mm-hmm. why it is majorly prescribed and majorly abused as well so mm-hmm. you can tell your doctor that you don't want a benzodiazepine and um, or the first thing that you should be asking when you're taking any medication is about the side effects 
Mm-hmm. We Google the medication that is being prescribed to us, and then we see these hundred of side effects on the website. Mm-hmm. And trust me, this is not, you know, a particular person having these problems. For example, you come to me, and I've given you, uh, imagine, an anti, an antacid. Okay, I've given you an antacid, and uh, you tell me that you, uh, I had a headache. after i took this medicine so i'll write down headache all right mm-hmm. then the other patient comes to me and tells ki he had bowel problems after having this particular medication i will write down bowel problems now mm-hmm. maybe your headache has been caused due to some other thing maybe because you were hungry maybe you were out in the sun maybe you were constipated there can be many reasons of a headache and not because of this drug Mm-hmm. again the bowel problems can be because if the patient did not have enough fiber the previous night and had constipation so the person thinks that you know all the symptoms all the problems given on that website is everything that is going to go wrong after you take the medication it is not true there are of course medicines do cause bowel problems it's very common in one or two three days it gets better mm-hmm. so we have to be very intelligent when we are searching for uh, problems or side effects from particular drug i will suggest just to buy a pharmacology book and uh, see mm-hmm. for yourself in the book what the side effects are and you'll be amazed if they are not so severe because we also mm-hmm. have some research notes right there that how many people uh, went through this particular side effect how many people were affected in what ways so that can mm-hmm. give you a very clear picture of what it should be like yeah and i'm imagining that side effects are also very different per person hmm. there are just, the common side effects will be there uh, mm-hmm. but not everything that you see on google mm yeah that makes sense and then do you have any other comments to say about this movie or any other things that you want to address i think this movie has really uh, enlightened a lot of people about the disease many doctors as well because uh, the doctors who are like in their 60s and 70s you know who have been practicing for over 50 years almost now um mm-hmm. they really don't know about the new diseases that much the young doctors mm-hmm. only if it is included in the in their syllabus if it's in their books they might read it uh, the doctors of course who are practicing uh, they do keep reading about all these new articles and researches which are happening around the world but yes it has also helped a lot of people understand especially in places where black magic or voodoo is common is i mean they still mm-hmm. practice it maybe or they think it's true or some something of uh, this kind really exists um it's like an enlightenment for them because uh, now you know that it's a brain problem mm-hmm. it's an organ which has gone bad and it is treatable it is not some demonic thing which is happening to you and uh, like i have seen a lot of things in india uh, we have many cases of demonic possessions ki uh, in india we say devi aagayi devi means the goddess and mm-hmm. aagayi means uh, the goddess is in your body in her body maybe mm-hmm. and that's why she is you know dancing on all crazy her hair is all bad her bindi or whatever she's wearing is you know all gone here and there uh, mm-hmm. so this has given a lot of people a clear picture of what they might be having or what they had um so i think uh, if you make movies or uh, i mean the mo- the list of movies also that you sent me i've not seen a lot of them 
um but i think if people make such movies on real disorders which we you know we are scared to really discuss about um that will be really very great because mm-hmm. we tend to take uh, other organs seriously if it's a heart problem uh, you know you'll have so many visitors your entire family will know ki you have a heart problem and you're suffering or you had a accident and you had a fractured leg and everyone will come to see you in the hospital will bring you food will bring you flowers and everything but when you have a mental disorder nobody tries to even talk to you because they are scared of how you're going to react mhm because we we actually don't know we we don't we don't talk about it and that's why we don't have enough information about things that you know this is very normal and this can get better this this is okay this is as okay as having a high blood pressure for which you have to take antihypertensives for your entire life and antihypertensives also have side effects but we mm-hmm. really don't tend to go into those things because you know you have to maintain your blood pressure so why don't we think in this similar terms when it comes to your brain disorders when people are on psychiatric drugs they will feel good for a while and they'll be like now i'm feeling good and now i should stop taking the medications you are feeling good because you're on the medications and it is helping mm-hmm. you to feel good so why should you not continue them and if you're not having major side effects of the disease uh, of the medicines just keep taking it it's as simple as taking uh, uh, hypoglycemic drugs for your diabetes or antihypertensives for your blood pressure or mm-hmm. any other disorder you might be having mm-hmm. yeah I think conversation awareness and having accurate media portrayals are key and once we have more representation where people can actually see real stories based on actual experiences that will help inform public opinion and also take away from the stigma that we see around mental health absolutely absolutely true it's very important for us to discuss about these things mhm i'm really happy i'm really really i was so happy to see your page that there are a group of people who are doing something about this and talking about real movies because we have movies portraying how bad a mental illness get or how bad a person suffering from mental illness is or what happens in a asylum or in a mental hospital that a person is chained to their bed is being given electric shocks to their brain without mm-hmm. any uh, anesthesia so discussing about real people uh based on movies is really commendable and really something which is going to help people to um discuss about brain diseases yeah thank you so much and i definitely learned a lot from this session and i'm sure our listeners will have as well and we really appreciate thank your you time too. and it really means a lot so to much. us thank, thank you, you so much Thank you so much for listening to our episode. Stay tuned for future episodes and be sure to check out our website at shattingthestigma.wixsite.com/project.